up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. We have a great episode ahead for you. We're excited. We're ready to go, Sean. Let's get it started. Ian, I feel like this has been too much of a basketball podcast. We had to bring it back to the 200 by 85. And who better to bring on than a brand new guest, staff writer for The Athletic, Joshua Cloak. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And, and again, we talked about it before, but I, I love your, your, your track jacket. That is, that is classic stuff. We, we go podcast only. YouTube has eluded us, but I got the, I got the three lions on oh. and uh, we are, it's, it's the lucky leaf shirt, Josh. You got to do what you got to do, especially when they're playing this well. And we're going to get to the beloved Maple Leafs. But before we do, there are three things that the Stans brothers and family do after every leaf game. Okay. Well, two and a half. If they win, we watch the highlights. Okay. Win or lose, we wait for the dangle video. And we always, always, always read the report cards. So I got to know. That's very kind of you, by the way. That, that, makes, uh, <laughs> that makes three of us. <laughs> no, come on. It is, it's got to be a cult following by now. Like we, we, who is going to tell us who's being forgotten about and who isn't getting A's in, in the game Honestly, if you're not helping us? It just comes down to a validation, right? Because if you're watching the game, you'll text one or the other and be like, you know who's great tonight? Zach Bogosian. You know who's terrible tonight? Whoever. And I don't want to name a player. They're playing so well. Um, so it, you serve as validation. So I, I, I do appreciate that. I, I sincerely appreciate you saying that. Um, that's probably the only validation I get in this household. So that's, uh, that's great to hear. Your words have been screenshot and sent to multiple members of our family to say, see, I told you so. But what I want to know is about the process, because you can't just watch the game, crack a beer and be like, you know what? Let's let's see what F3 forwards doing on the back check here. Maybe once in a while. What's the process for you? Do you got the notepad out? You got the computer out? Are you making notes? How many games do you go by where there's just like... Jimmy VC was great last night. So, but is there Jimmy VC just not a lot of notes beside them? How does this go? Yeah, well, Jimmy VC is a pretty classic example. It's funny you say that because I'm getting ready to do kind of a mid-season report card, and I've been tallying up all the different grades and then turning those letter grades into number grades and and kind of looking for an average. And you know, there was a lot of fours for Jimmy VC, four out of ten. Um, but in terms of process, you know, we. Um, my wife and I and our son just moved into a new house and I finally have an office, which is amazing. And so I got the, you know, open up the laptop, get the notebook out to just scribble notes, but you get the, the NHL's media site up, you get natural stat trick up and what you do, you, ha- you obviously have your template of, of players. And I think what I'm looking for, you know, I, I know we all love hockey lingo. What I'm looking for right off the top is, who has jam? Who's going? Who has their legs going? Who do we pucks, see? Pucks right in up? deep, right, Josh? Pucks well, in deep. Who, who, like, who has their mojo working? Who like has literally said, I'm up for this one tonight? And you can usually tell after the first few shifts. Obviously, Mikheyev and Hyman do every single night. But what you look for just in the first period is just who's moving, who's trying to make an impact. And like, it's funny, I was having a conversation with um another athletic writer about of all things, like what do I look for when I'm voting for the Norris trophy? Um, And the word I kept using was 
influential? Like, does the does the defenseman influence the game for the better? Do they change the course of the game with their play? And so that's what I'm looking for right off the bat in the first period, right? And then in the second period, you're saying, okay, can they sustain that? Um, and and then again, what you start to do in the second period is really like hone in on specific plays. So if you see, okay, a player is moving, a player has jam, then what specific things are they doing? How are they being influential? Are you, you know, again, if it's TJ Brody, is he using his stick? Who's back checking, right? You're looking at some of the, and you're, what you're looking for as well is things out of the ordinary. And that's where, like you mentioned this, this is where it gets difficult is like, how many times can I write Zach Hyman had energy? Yeah, I make a whole joke about how many times can I write Austin Matthews was dominant tonight. So it's like, well, you know, maybe actually William Nylander was really skating hard in his own zone tonight. Or Zach Bogosian was, you know, displaying a little bit of offense tonight. Are they doing something a little different that probably bumps their grade up or could bump their grade down, I guess, if they're doing something different for worse. Um, but it's just about who's being noticeable because you have 19 guys out there again by the end by sometimes by the third period you're like oh yeah what's this guy doing um you know it's with a team like the Leafs they're generally a pretty high event team right things happen with this team so for better or for worse yeah you don't often you don't often have to kind of look for for specific players so that's kind of the process and then what you do as well in each intermission as you kind of cross-reference what you saw against what the numbers are telling you. Um, I lean heavily on things like expected goals. Corsi, not so much. You know, you're looking at, the, like, the thing, too, what we have to acknowledge with the Leafs, and I know I'm kind of giving you a long-winded answer to a very short question, but, like, this is a team, the expectations of, around this team are so, so high now, right? So we have to expect that, you know, the third line should be good because this is a team that now has Stanley Cup aspirations. So, you know, perhaps in game three, if a player was maybe graded a, a, a C plus, you know, it's okay, fine. They, they did fine tonight. That player should, you know, because this team is good and this team has cup aspirations, we should be seeing improvement in that team. We know the, the importance that the whole team puts on development, right? So, are they improving this season? So you're looking for trends as well. So there's a lot of things you look for. And then, you know, by the time the, the, the final whistle comes, you, you kind of bear down and take a big swig of whatever you're drinking and you try and put everything together and, and kind of keep your editor at bay as well. Right. Of course. Well, honestly, Josh, we could have an entire podcast just asking about the process, but we want to be efficient with our time here. And so why not be efficient? and transition like the Leafs to this next question. It is a two-part question. One is going to be very micro, which is very much in the moment about what has just happened. And then my brother is going to transition to a more macro question, one that is very much looming on Leafs Twitter, in Leafs Nation, around this team. And mine is very, very simple. Were the Leafs that good against the Oilers? Or were the Oilers that bad? Because I think it's there's multiple ways you can go with this one. Yeah, I would lean more towards the Leafs were that good. I mean, I, I made a point in the last report card to, to say, like, if, if a team like the Oilers that has talent, they have genuine talent, can't find their energy after getting embarrassed two nights in a row, like, this is, this is a lot on them. And you do get the sense that, like, maybe there's, there's a funk in that room right now. 
but it wasn't the what the Leafs did so well is they didn't allow the Oilers back into the game in the third period. And that's been something that has really been a, a thorn in their side, this team, this, this kind of core for the last few years. So I think the Leafs were good because they, 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 they had a commitment to team defense. They just swarmed the Oilers in the neutral zone. These are things that they didn't do last season. And even if the Oilers were bad, the fact that the Leafs did this three nights in a row on the road, I, I do think this was a really impressive display. And I do think Leafs fans have every right to wake up after that three-game series and say, wait a second. Are, is 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 this happening or is this team for real? Like, I, I think that's a really, I think it's, it, I think it's fair to feel good, I guess is what I'm saying. With three different goalies too. Yeah. And that's, so, and, and, and I should say just very and briefly. And one of them like is I said, Hutch. <laughs> I, well, but how good, if you're Leafs, if you're the Leafs coaching staff, how good do you feel that in the playoffs, you can go to different goalies if you need to, provided everyone's healthy. And that remains the biggest question with this team. Can they stay healthy? But that's something that they didn't have in the past. And I think there's, they have all, they, they should feel confident where they're at right now. So following last night, you wrote, yep. the Leafs did a good job preventing a lot of dangerous chances against Anderson by collapsing in front of him and defending as a unit well. A fact Anderson noted to Sportsnet after the game, we continued to suffocate them and not really give them anything off the rush and play tight. And I thought that was really good. So how weird is it to say things like that? Because for as long as I can remember, this team has always struggled in its own zone, has always struggled to be sort of, to be together as a unit in their own zone. And now you're writing things that are like, wow, they were so impressive in their own zone. They, they were suffocating the Oilers. Is it weird to say things like that now? Like, is this just who the Leafs are? Um, I think it's who the Leafs are figuring out that they can be, if that makes sense. I think they're figuring out that this is what they have to do to be that team consistently. Like, I think if we look back, you know, once we tell the story of the season, whenever it finishes, I do think we'll look at that three game set as a bit of a, you know, maybe a turning point, or maybe will it be a blip in, in, in you know, a bump in the road or whatever, right? I, I, I think that the Leafs are figuring out the process and they're starting to figure out kind of what Sheldon Keefe was asking them to do in the beginning of the season. Like we remember Sheldon Keefe was so stringent in his belief that in training camp, which was short, they have to focus on team defense. And we saw early on, there were games where the Leafs really struggled because they kind of just focused too much on defending. And they didn't kind of let the barn doors open and let some of their players, their offensive talent just play. So that what they're figuring out now is that balance. They're figuring out how do we swarm teams in our own zone, in the neutral zone, and then how do we transition very quickly into being dominant in the offensive zone. We're seeing way less odd man rushes against, but we they are creating odd man rushes for. So I think what they're just figuring out is that balance. Because I think if we look at, again, games earlier in the season, they didn't have that. We heard Austin Matthews kind of complaining, like maybe we kind of got away from our game here. Maybe we're thinking a little too much. How do we just defend against Connor McDavid? Thinking about the one person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now what they're figuring out is we can be we can be both. 
right? And good teams can do both. And I think what when we look back at this set, we will say this was the, the point that the Leafs figured out how to do both. Now can they keep this going is the, the, the question they have to answer, I guess. So do you see this more as, hey, they played for Sheldon for 100 plus games or whatever the number is? Or do you see this as, hey, the personnel is better, so everything's working better? Or is the easy answer, it's just a combination of both? Well, I mean, it's it's all a combination of, 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 of all those things. I mean, this is why, you know, when, when Kyle Dubas took over, and, and Sheldon Keith then took over. I, I, I don't think anybody, you know, expected things to happen overnight, but we're kind of seeing the, we're kind of seeing the benefits of the trial and error process, right? You bring in Tyson Berry because you figure, well, he's a guy that can quickly transition the puck to our forwards. That's where we have the most skill is up front. Uh, that doesn't work because we're still getting eaten alive in our own zone, right? right. Um, you know, we talk about things like experience. And I, as much as I rely on, you know, numbers to help tell stories, I do believe those intangible things are are really important. And we've seen the kind of boost that the Leafs get from just being around Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. Like they, the smiles on their faces. And this, these are the things I look forward to. Like they love being around the team and that's something that i find really interesting too is what we maybe forget about this season these guys are half the season they're only spending time with each other as a group it's not like a normal road trip where you could go out to dinner or maybe you could go visit family or whatever you're spending your entire day in these like team rooms that they have set up so if you're not surrounding you know all these people with other good people and that's what I think you know we have to give Kyle Dubas credit for is he brought in from what I believe these are genuinely good people Jason Spezza Wayne Simmons Joe Thornton these are people that care about winning care about teammates you know I I did a lot of stories on Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons coming into this season and you hear that again and again and again they they want to be around their teammates they care about people that matters when you're spending so much time in tight quarters that matters so i think you're seeing a bit of a joy within the leafs again this is a wild intangible but we're seeing that kind of joy that maybe we didn't see over the past few seasons especially when so much was hoisted on the backs of the youth the young players on that team where now you have people actually contributing like i'm going to be the first one to put my hand up i was wrong about joe I, I was I wasn't saying that I didn't that I disliked the signing, but I was a skeptic of it. Did did uh, signing a fourth line center who's you know 42, 43 years old is that exactly what this team needs? And yet he's playing as great as he can. But indulge me here, Josh. Indulge me, okay. because I want to get to the ma- the macro question, but I want to lay out a couple of points. The macro question, which is the talk of the town right now, is: Are the Leafs this good, or is the division this shit? That that's what the talk of the town is. I believe the answer is can potentially be just yes, that the Leafs are a cup contender in their own right, but that everyone else in the division, by and large, is either underperforming or doesn't have the talent to meet what they have night to night. What I worry about as someone who has seen pain in England with the, Ra- with the not with the, well, I guess with the Raptors until 2019, with the Maple Leafs, pain is what we see. And all I keep hearing in the back of my head is, 
They haven't played a heavy team. They haven't played the team that you mentioned that can play a suffocating defensive style, but also hurt you on the offense. So well, thank you for allowing to, for indulging me in that in letting that, me get that off my yeah. chest. Yeah. What do you think about the macro question that is surrounding Leafs nation right now? Yeah, I, I, I do think it's a fair question because I think it's like you said, it's just kind of ingrained in Leafs nation to question the validity of of happiness you know um but we can't have nice things josh it's yeah, against no, maple it. leaf rule i get it i get it i, I look at it a, a, a few ways i mean first of all every division has crap teams okay um you know i, I look at vegas's division you know i think we can call vegas one of the best one of the better teams in the nhl right now they they have some crap teams in their division um I think if you're the Leafs, what you look at this division and, and, and if we accept that, like, if we accept that the teams in this, in the, the Canadian division aren't as good, which I'm not convinced of that yet. I think the Oilers have not been as good as they should be. I think the Canadians have not been as good as they should be. If you believe in, you know, expected wins and that kind of thing, which I do. Um, what you look at this as, as, it's an ability. This is a long, long runway to the playoffs, and it's an opportunity for the Leafs to get their process in place and fine tune their errors. And and if let's say the the division is not as good, and they kind of steamroll through the playoffs, and this is a big if they steamroll through the first two rounds. If you're a Leafs fan, don't you want your team feeling really confident going into that third round series? Absolutely. Don't don't you want them feeling like they're full of swagger, full of mojo, and they can they they have that inherent self belief that I think they didn't have over the last two or three years, right? Like, don't you kind of want that? Um, I mean, I again, I I think. I think we're going to see some more swings. I, I, I think they're going to win the division, but I do think we're going to see some teams eventually step up and challenge them because I think teams will figure out a little bit about how to defend against them. I, I, I think, you know, colleague Dom wrote on a really incredible piece in the athletic looking at, you know, the strength of their schedule and arguing that the Leafs actually don't have that easy of a schedule based on kind of the expected wins of, teams in the other divisions and just that that like that that the canadians and the oilers aren't as good as they should be and that you know eventually they will kind of turn it around so i guess what i just keep coming back to is this is a team that has preached early on in the season about the need to find consistency in the regular season um even if you believe that their division is not as strong you do have to respect the fact that they're not playing willy-nilly hockey. They're playing really comprehensive, cohesive, defensive hockey. And, and you know, that that's a good thing because they really could have let their foot off the gas last night at 5-1. But they didn't. And, you know, kudos to them. So one thing I want to bring up is I am – Sean Brown of the Raptors. I am a long-suffering Raptor fan, again, with the exception of the glorious 2018-2019 season. Um, with that said – in playoff games and in big moments before that, when you were in the arena as a Raptor yeah. fan, you are waiting for failure. You are waiting for them to rip your heart out. You're waiting for LeBron or someone else to toy with you. For JV to miss and a bunny at the rim. Something, right? Something. And with Leaf fans, you can tell when you're on Twitter and the, watching the game and things like that, that they're not allowing themselves to be happy. 
And I see a little bit of a parallel there. Now, that's not me saying, you know, that I think Austin Matthews is Kawhi Leonard and they're going to go win the Stanley Cup. But at what point do Leaf fans just need to enjoy it? You're 18 and four. Like, that is unbelievable. At what point do Leaf fans finally say, can we just enjoy this? Let's not bitch about the division. Let's not worry about, you know, the playoffs. Why don't we just enjoy it for what it is? Will that moment ever come? I mean, I think it should have come sometime around game 10 when Austin Matthews just decided he was going to be the best player on the planet for about two weeks. You know, like to me, that 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 will remain one of the stories of this Leaf season, however it ends up. Like, you know, Austin Matthews is still in the midst of, you know, arguably the greatest season, you know, uh, from a Leaf in what, the last 50 years, right? So like... <laughs> I I don't know how I don't know how Leafs fans just start to in, enjoy it, but you know, other other than to just say like this is you've experienced so much pain, you know why not why not just appreciate that whatever happens you you do have this, um, and the thing too is like what's the bar like what is what is the bar win one round. Like that's, that's a good point. Not that's what is so attainable. What is, yeah. like, you know, this is like, don't feel as if, I don't know, I get it. Like everyone wants to win a cup and this team looks right now, March 4, they look like a cup contender, right? So just, just enjoy that anticipation, you know, like that, that's, that's where I'm at. Like that's, that's, you know, in the probably one and a half teams that I actively cheer for, in life, like I, I look forward. To, like the anticipation is what gets me going. You know, I, I, the hours leading up to a match that gets me really, really excited. Like, I don't know, I, I can't really counsel Leafs fans, but I would just say, like, this will, like, you, you remember how bad it was. Why not just appreciate the, 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 the small victories? Like, lap it up on Twitter. Right. You know, like, like get in the face of, of, of Oilers Twitter. You know, like that's, right, that's, right. that's what, you know, that that's, that's what this is all about. It's all so short. Like we've, you know, we've all had a pretty grinding hellish year, like just, just stop and appreciate it because, you know, Austin Matthews isn't going to do this forever. Mitch Marner is not going to do this forever. Like if, if we're not enjoying wins, if we're not enjoying wins and if we're not enjoying beating uh, we, if, if, if Leafs fans are not enjoying beating. It's okay. You can say we, you, you write well, the report cards, you write the report cards. You're on the team. If, if they don't enjoy beating up on Canadian teams regularly, what are you going to enjoy? Right. And, and when the Raptors beat Milwaukee and I hate to keep bringing it back, but when they beat Milwaukee, oh. Matt Devlin <laughs> said, Matt Devlin said, and they panned to Kyle Lowry and they said, it's real. Raptors fans, it's real. And as a Raptor, you have that moment where you're like, holy shit. Like, it is real. And, you know, I so desperately want that for diehard Leaf fans because that moment where you just recognize that it's real, all the weight can just sort of, you can and, enjoy it. And that's the answer to the question, is that the Leafs and the Leafs fans have not had that moment. And by the way, you gave away a little bit of, uh, obviously you wrote a book. We're going to get, so that's the last question, Josh. It's going to be about, you said one and a half. It's going to be about the full one of your favorite teams, um, as you kind of hinted with the match. But I, it wouldn't be a Leafs podcast if the last question that we asked had nothing to do with the top top end talent, but had to do with, you know, 
supplementary talent. And that right now is the HEM line, the math line, or as you put it, and I am rolling with this, is the zip line. So I, you know what? I, I haven't gone back. I, I was kind of, uh, you know, trying to write that night, but I, I don't think I coined that term, but I want to say I was one of the first through the wall. I mean, Myrtle, Myrtle called it the med line. And anytime Myrtle drops one of his puns, some yes. of them I just can't even touch, but some of them I'm like, I wonder if I can, I wonder if I can put some shine on that. I wonder if I can come. <laughs> um, I usually can't, but I kind of just thought of their first names and like, wait a second, zip line. That's way, way better. No, this way more, you know, symbolic of what that line right. is about. And I put that out there and I saw a few people kind of tweet it after. And I'm like, I, was, I think I might have been. The math line is not beating Connor McDavid in a straight line race to the puck. The zip line is beating them. So really quick here, before we get to yeah. our last question, what are the zip line? Is this is this sustainable? It, as long as someone scores, my only concern with that line is that it doesn't. I mean, and and Zach Hyman is the guy for now. But like, as long as someone scores, right? I think that line is so entertaining to watch. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you need your third line to contribute some offense, right? You're not going to get Jason Spezza doing, you know. 2001 stuff you know every game you know you're not going to get two assists from Travis Boyd every game you do need your third line contributing some offense and you know I love Makayev he's he's kind of been a bit you know he hasn't had the puck luck this this year and and I, I do genuinely believe Zach Hyman is an integral part of this team I mean that like he is Though the, that contract negotiation is going to be fascinating to see what his number ends up at, I, because I, I think he's a player that the Leafs have to keep, um, and I think Pierre Engvall is slowly becoming something of a you know a revelation this season. All that said, you, you have to an energy line is good, and an energy line kind of wears down teams, but they have to bang a few goals in. So if they can find a goal, you know, here and there, every other game, doesn't matter who it is, then, then yeah, it's sustainable. If it's, if they can't, then I, I, I don't know. The thing that, that gets me too is Sheldon Keith is, is he tinkers with his lines a lot. He's not afraid to experiment even late in the season. So it, it looks to be, you know, he looks to have something here, whether it's sustainable, I guess that's, Depends whether or not they they can find some offense in there. All right. So last one. You've been so gracious with your time. As Sean mentioned, you did write a book. Come on, you Reds, the story of Toronto FC. Now, yeah. normally I'd love to get into the nitty gritty with you, but I want to touch on one part of TFC history in particular. Okay. Looking back to their finals runs in 16 and 17. Yep. It sparked a thought for us. And we wanted your opinion on very few times in the history of sports do you see teams get their hearts ripped out of their chest and be able to come back the next year and dominate to that extent and get back to that level and conquer. So I want to ask you, what about that TFC team allowed them to follow in the footsteps of the 2014 Spurs, the 2004 Red Sox, and the 2020 Tampa Bay Lightning and not go the route of the 2015 Seahawks and the 2017 Falcons. So what about that TFC team allowed them 
to come back with a vengeance and capture that title in 2017? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And it's one that was kind of a, a, a working thesis, I think, of that whole book was that if you look at all the success they had, they had to stumble before they they succeeded. Like if you look at, I mean, TFC's early history was all about them stumbling. Oof. But if you look at everything they did, you know, they, they, they come agonizingly close to making the playoffs and they miss. And then they finally do make the playoffs and then they get embarrassed, you know, and then they, they finally get into the playoffs and then, and, and they lose in the final. And, and I honestly thought, I, I remember thinking, and I, I remember asking Greg Vanny this, um, in Mexico, when they lost in penalties um, in the CONCACAF Champions League final, um, which was the same night oh. as, as the Leafs game seven against Boston, I, I remember kind of I had that game open on my laptop in, in that stadium in Mexico. Anyway, I asked him about it. I'm like, is this the kind of thing that you can learn from and, and, and build upon, you know, for next year? And I, I remember, you know, we were we were in a press conference, so whatever. But he looked me, kind of straight in the eyes, and he he just said, "It has to be, like we, we you have to learn from these things." Um, and I think that in terms of what they had, um, first of all, you, you, you don't want to get embarrassed again. You have to have people in in the organization that refuse to be embarrassed. And there's a lot of people in that organization that really like are very. I don't want to say stubborn, but are very strong-willed and strong-minded people that really don't like being embarrassed. I'm thinking about Bill Manning. And to me, I mean, he might not be the player now that he was in 17, but Michael Bradley is the one that just drove that team, often frustratingly so. You know, a lot of stuff that didn't make it in the book, you know, there was there were a lot of, you know, dust-ups between teammates in that 17 year season i can think of one in particular that probably didn't get reported on a lot um this was back when we were able to go and watch sports teams train what a time oh god we were younger then before the war um you know and he i remember (laughs) they'd lost once in in 17 and i remember michael bradley just really getting this was in practice training uh getting in the face of chris mavinga and kind of asking him you know where were you last game? Why didn't you show up last game? Where were you? And these are questions, really hard questions that, you know, I know Michael Bradley, I don't want to say likes to have, but what he believes is necessary. Those kind of questions that you ask of teammates, like, are we all on the same page? Are we all striving for that thing? Um, And so again, I, I know that his kind of drive to succeed was a huge part of that 17 team. You obviously need, you know, otherworldly talent like they had in Javinko and, and Altidore and Victor Vasquez is a player that I like genuinely miss watching just, just as the aesthetically. Right. So I guess, and I, I should probably tie it into the Leafs. That's what you have to ask about this team too, right? Is who are those people that are just pushing this team to be better every single day and not be satisfied with, you know, wins like a win is one thing what can you learn from that win and improve upon right and and that's what i find really interesting about the additions they made in wayne simmons and joe thornton like some people think well you should bring in when you sign free agents you should look for free agents that have won stanley cups because they know what it takes 
The other side is why don't you sign players that have gotten agonizingly close because they're willing to push so much harder because they don't want their career to end without a Stanley Cup. And I wonder if that's something that they thought about with Thornton and Spezza and Simmons is here's players that have been in the league for a long time, got agonizingly close, didn't get there. Wow. I wonder if they want to push. I wonder if they want to push because they say, look, this isn't about, you know, I know what to do to get there. It's like, I don't want to get close again. I'm done getting close. I need to get there. I need to get over that hump. So that's just something I, I wonder if, if, if it was considered, you know. I am so fired up, ready to run through a wall now. But that's it. We've come to it. You have a 10 p.m. game against the Vancouver Canucks that you have to stay up for, do your notes, and write the report cards. I'm praying for you. I just have to watch. So, Joshua Cloak, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you're following Josh on Twitter. Make sure you're reading the report cards. If you aren't, what are you doing? Honestly, Josh, thanks so much for joining us, man. We would love to have you back. We have so much more to talk to you about. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. This, this, you, you guys have given me the boost of confidence to to run through my TV and and <laughs> you know write the hell out of these report cards uh, at uh, at two in the morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So we just finished up with Joshua Cloak of the Athletic, Ian, and it's just the two of us. It's been a while. So I have to say, you know, we've been lucky on this podcast. I think we're episode fifty-seven now. To have some pretty remarkable guests. Um, you know, there are some ones that come to mind, obviously. Um, Josh was unbelievable. He's great. I mean, that is such an impressive, impressive person to be that well-versed for a multitude of sports. And by the way, to have that sort of knowledge about particularly soccer, you know, I think is a real breath of fresh air. I mean, look, Great intangibles guy too. Yeah, Great intangibles I, I, guy. I love soccer. I'm a soccer guy. But to be at that level at two sports like that, I mean, incredible. He uh, really kind. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was a blast. It was incredible. And, and honestly, we have been pulling back on this. And we've been doing it because obviously work is busy. You're now at a job. But Ian, I shot my shot again multiple times. I went five for six. I should be in the Hall of Fame. So we have five incredible guests coming your way. Three of them are very immersed in basketball. We have a Nets beat writer. We have a Celtics beat writer and the owner of the Playgrounder coming up. We have uh, a Cavs beat writer. And then we also have some awesome, awesome hockey guests coming. So really, really exciting. That's on what we have coming. But what we have to do now is we have to have our own segment. I've been missing this time, just you and I. I'm missing it. And what we thought of, and what made me think of this, and my apologies, what made us think of this, Ian, was a tweet that you sent. And what we want to do is we want to just throw out different things that have happened while we've been away that we have not focused on. We both picked three. You don't know what I picked. I don't know what you picked. What was the tweet that you sent me that made us think of this idea? Someone signed somewhere. Was it Tyrell Williams? Yeah, so Tyrell signed with the Lions, one year, six and a half. And I, as a side note, for the Lions, I kind of, I, I do like it. Um, 
I like Tyrell. I think he's a talented guy. If he could stay on the field, he was a difference maker, particularly in the red zone for the Raiders a couple years back uh, with Noodle. And then I said, my response was, I like Tyrell. I'm not sure how this is going to work with Noodle Arm check down golf. And I had no idea what you were talking about. It took me a solid 25 minutes to realize that Jared Goff plays for the Detroit Lions. And that's where we came up with the idea of, let's just throw out some things that may have happened that wouldn't have been a main topic of conversation. And my first one is traded quarterbacks. So let's start, Ian, and we're going to time this. We're going to do five minutes on the clock per topic. And right now we're putting five minutes on the clock here is traded quarterbacks. The Stafford for Goff trade was the Rams got Stafford and sent Goff with two future firsts and a third. I I like this for the Lions. No? Uh, I very much like it for the Lions. I'm not a Dan Campbell fan. I don't know how he got a five-year deal. But um, look, worst case, Goff sucks. You write out the contract and you tr- and you use those picks to either move up to go get your quarterback next year, or the year after, or you take them and nail your guys. Best case, Goff turns it turns back the clock to 2018, becomes a franchise guy or a pseudo franchise guy, sort of settles in as like the 15th best quarterback in the league. Yes, you have your quarterback, your bridge guy, until you find your next guy, and you can build the rest of your roster. I I agree with you and. I understand the Stafford point in LA. I'd listen. Stafford is a fan favorite of both of ours. Yeah, I love Stafford. I know you do. But this is like a grand slam home run for the Lions. Yeah, the one thing I will say for the Rams is that they've found a way to remain competitive this long without having their first. And that's, you know, between the Jalen Ramsey trade, between this trade, um, you know, Dante Fowler, I think they gave one up for, maybe not a first, but I can't remember. Um, so they've given them up before. And I think Brandon Cooks was another one. He was. Yeah, so I was just going to say. They, they yeah. can survive. They can survive. McVay gets his guy. And look, you know, it, you, this is an upgrade to all the skill position guys, every one of them. The main thing is going to be, can they keep Stafford upright? Because that was Stafford's problem in Detroit. Well, this has the potential to be like a win-win all around. I just, I get the contract's atrocious. Two firsts and a third on top of that for a quarterback who well, is generally it's not, not just healthy. There's a lot of guarantees left. I think the contract just kicked in. So there's still a ton of guarantees left. It's a big pill to swallow. The only team that could do something like that is a rebuilding team. So look, to get off golf, yeah. And by the way, the next one we're going to talk about, I'm surprised the price wasn't that. Well, that's the second QB trade, which is Carson Wentz. And Wentz went to the Colts for a third round pick. And at the bare minimum, a second. It's going to be a very first. much could be a first. Yeah. He has to play 70, 75% of the snaps in his first year yeah. or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs. Now we say it's going to be that, but we're talking about a dude who was just benched for Jalen Hurts. So he ain't getting, you gave up all that. He ain't getting with Reich. He ain't getting benched for Jacoby Brissett. Not I, happening. Ian, I'm going to give you the time. We got two minutes on the clock here. I'm just going to say this. What the fuck are the Colts doing? Well, you can't get I him think, for less than this? Well, here, oh, I, here's the, that money. I, the thing I don't understand is why did the, like, let's say the tax for Stafford was a first and a third, which I believe to be true. I think Carolina had an offer out there that was around that. So let's say for fun, that's what was the offer, right? 
So you're using a first to dump the the contract. I, I don't know how Philadelphia didn't have to pay to get right. off this Wentz one. You know, like this is this is such a home run for them. On the other hand, though, Indy uh, Indy is a massive, massive man crush of mine. Love that roster. That team is Super Bowl ready. Super Bowl ready. If Reich can write the ship with Wentz, I get it. But here's the thing we don't understand about Carson Wentz, guys. Okay? We all say, well, he almost won the MVP 2017. That season was an outlier. What we saw last year, maybe not as bad, but what we saw last year, being erratic, not being on the field all the time, all that other stuff, that's the guy. He had that one season. But we talk about Carson Wentz and Jared Goff as if, you know, as if they're different. They're the same. They're the same. What I can't believe that. I would. I, all right. We have 20 seconds on the clock. Who would Hold you on. rather? Who would you rather have both contracts being equal? You literally, whatever the draft was, it was what? Four years ago, five, whatever that was, you have the first overall pick, but only those two guys are available. Which quarterback are you picking? It's easy for me. Pro- probably golf because a, I know he's on the field and B, I know that if I put him in enough of a box, he can be successful. Well, we did it. We stayed under the, time. The one thing I will say about the Eagles, 10 seconds. That's all you got. The Eagles are in an amazing position because if Hertz is good, you you take Devontae Smith this year and you build around the Jalen Rieger, Miles Sanders. That's your offense. Amazing. If he sucks, if he sucks, you kick the can down the line and build the rest of your roster, trade all your veterans. That's the horn. Ian, what's your topic? So set it for 10 because my next topic is I only it's only I only went with one. And that's the overwhelming emergence of Kyle Lowry trade buzz. And Ooh. I haven't addressed this yet. I haven't addressed this yet. So here's what I want you to do. I want you I want you to think of the best trade possible for Kyle Lowry to a reasonable destination, okay? Think about it in your head. Don't say it right now. Let's play this game, okay? Oh, 76ers, right? They're interested. That's super dope. Uh, Danny Green, Mike Scott, Tony Bradley, Matisse Thibel, Tyrese Maxey, and you can unprotect that pick in 2023. So Philly fans are having this meltdown, right? That, you know, Maxey and Thibel, like, we can't give those guys up. Why do we talk about, like, why do we talk about Tyrese Maxey like he's Brad Beal. Like I think Tyrese is going to be a very nice player. Ditto on Thibault. But why are we acting like this is not Michael Porter Jr. Philly fans. Like you got to chill. You got to chill out with that. It's not enough. Philly would not go there. There's no way Maury goes there. Right. He's not giving up the first Thibault and Maxi. And for the Raptors, like what's Maxi settling as? a solid rotation player, ditto on Thibault. What's that pick two years from now? Can you really give up the franchise icon for that? You can't. Next. All right, Ian, what about the Clippers? I, I No, I don't want Marcus Morris or Luke Kennard. Fine. Ian, you're being a dick. What about Miami? Well, Miami just said no to moving Tyler Hero for James fucking Harden. Are we pretending that A, they're going to give up Hero for Lowry? They are not. Right. So 
what are we talking? They have no first. So what are we talking about? Myers Leonard, Kelly Olynyk, Mo Harkless, Preston Satua, and Duncan Robinson. Uh, why am I trading Kyle Lowry for Pascal Siakam's backup in Achua and Duncan Robinson, who I'm going to pay Joe Harris money to? Seventy million? Come on now, that one doesn't work either. We're running. De- we're running out of teams. So last one. Fuck. Fine. Ian, what about Denver? What about New Orleans? What about Dallas? We want Eric Bledsoe. Or, or, or do we want Gary Harris and Facundo Campazzo from Denver? What about Dallas? Do we want Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson? Like, what are we talking about, guys? The point is, none of these offers work. And even if they were close, like Philly, the assets on their own, I understand, are intriguing. But there's so little here that's going to swing your title chase in the next, in the next era that it doesn't make it worth getting rid of the franchise icon, right? Like the marginal upgrade in your cupboard with assets and young players, it isn't enough of a gap to move Kyle. None of these make sense. Stop trying. Okay. I'm going to let you restart. Not the podcast. Your rant. Because I'm going to throw a wrench into your logic. You're Bobby Webster. You're Masai Ujiri. Kyle Lowry walks into your office tomorrow and says, Mr. Stansfield, I want to be traded. I love, hold on. I love everything that you guys have done for me other than the fact that you blindsided my best friend, even though it brought me a title. I love the city. I love this team. But I'm mid-30s. I'm, I don't have much longer here. It's not that I don't believe in this team. It's that I'd, I'd like a change of scenery. I'd like to get back to the United States. I'd like to be down there. I want to move. Then, because everything that you've said about the Twitter fans of these teams is correct. They are not taking into consideration the fact that if Kyle Lowry does not come to Ian Stansfield, Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri, and says, I want to be traded, there is no player within reason that is going to be offered up that they will trade Kyle Lowry for. Like if Denver's like, hey, Michael Porter Jr., yes, we're going to have a meeting, of course. But this is not DeMar DeRozan. Right. He He was an icon of the team because the team were losers. And I mean that in the most sympathetic way possible. No, you're not Ian. saying that he's a loser. Of course not. DeMar DeRozan is, is a winner. A, is a fucking winner. Yes. It, it, is he the best player on a title team? No, he's not. But he's a winner. Kyle Lowry is not either. My point here is, if I'm going to let you restart, because you still have four minutes, I'm going to let you restart. Because if Kyle comes to you and says, I want to be traded, I'll tell you this. I am definitely taking that Miami Heat deal. And I'm probably taking that Philly deal too. So put that in. Let's put the act. Let's be realist about this. If he's actually on the table, it means he asked to be. So I'm giving you the opportunity to rethink this. Because Duncan Robinson and Precious for Kyle Lowry? Yes, please. Oh, yes, please. Not enough. Why? I need Siakam's backup for what? 
What do you mean for I have Siakam if, for four if he's years. Asking to be traded, it means he's leaving next year for free. Look, look, here's the thing. If he has to be traded, I am going to scour the earth to make sure that he gets to where he wants to go. He deserves that. With that said, I'm not going to do something that's going to hurt my basketball team, right? Like, so if Kyle, let's say Kyle's like, I really want to go to the Clippers. I really want to go to the 76ers. Like, that's not, I understand. I'm going to do what I can to get you there. But I'm not taking back Marcus Morris or Tobias Harris to do it. No, right? So, right. No, no. I understand that. So the answer is yes, I will move you to where you want to go, but I can't make a bad decision for my basketball team. Like some of the Twitter fans want me to want us to take Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, Gary Harris. Like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, Masai isn't going to do that. He's going to do right by Kyle. He's going to move him if he wants to move him. But you're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to take advantage of that either. Well, but but hold on. Let's say he says I want to go to Philly. It's the only team I want to go to. If you net out of that. The deal that you said, 2023, oh, unprotected you're first, happy. maxi, Thibel, and salary filler. You're, you're taking happy. that. Of course you are. You're happy. If he I, says, I, just, I want to go to Miami, you're taking Precious yeah. and Duncan. You're doing, that's my point. I'd push for, I would push for Dragic. So that's a side note. I would push for because Dragic. Because you stay relevant this year. Yes. Correct. And Dragic is still, Dragic just sort of feels like a Toronto player. And it's not just because he's European. Um, he just really feels like a Toronto guy, someone that would thrive here. Not that I want to trade Kyle Lowry to do it. Again, I, I want to send him to where he wants to go. But these Philly fans, like you're Tylo heroizing Maxi right now. The Heat fans after the title run made Tyler Hero this untouchable commodity, which by the way, not even Michael jo- Porter Jr.'s earned that, just for the record. If the right deal came out, Michael Porter Jr., ciao. That's what Philly's doing with Maxi. This guy is not a can't miss John ja Morant level player. Like, no, of course if not. You he move is, him to Kyle. Precious. Kyle Lowry swings the title. Where Kyle Lowry goes will likely swing where the title goes. And that's not because I guarantee they're going to win, but the balance of power is going to shift. If Kyle Think Lowry played for the Clippers, him. it's a lock. They win. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Philly, I'm not convinced because of the Ben Simmons aspect, but but Kyle has proven he can play off ball. He's a that defense would be like ridiculous. That's fine. So let's say I, let's I, say- I just I just wanted I, all I wanted to do is bring this more to reality because I right. think your point is correct. All these teams reaching out to Raptors Twitter who are fans of those teams. Again, they're fans. They don't know the situation. They don't understand what Lowry means to this city and to this organization. Because if Lowry says, hey, I don't know if I'm going to resign here, but don't trade me. Even though the better basketball situation is to just trade him, they're not doing that. No. They're just not doing that. No. No. And look, my only message is, my only message is, again, don't do this, Philly fans. Because if you get the opportunity, he wants to come home, that would be great. I would root for you guys to win the title. Lowry, Simmons, Harris, Curry, Embiid, that is a fucking problem. And I'm sorry, I would take that in a series against the Bucks. I would take that in a series against the Nets. I would take that in a series against the Clippers. I would take that in a series potentially even against the Lakers. That is serious. Philly fans, if you have to give up Tyrese Baxi, like, sorry, man, you just got to do that shit. You got to do it. Because you, you know he's resigning there too. For sure. 
for sure. You get him a ne- next contract, three years, 45 or three years, 60. Like you're laughing. Guys, don't do this for the sake of Tyrese Maxey. Don't. Well, what timing? Because that ends your 10 minutes. You don't have another one? Because I had two, but I'm going to mix them into my five minutes. Because the first one... I honestly, that's the only one. That is, I had Wentz and that. Those are the two most important things for me. Perfect. Because all I want to do is talk about, I want to give you, I'm going to take 20 seconds on this. The NBA All-Star Game. It's fucking travesty. It's embarrassing. What the hell are we doing here? What is this? You have teams missing games. You have people contracting COVID. You can't think of a better long term effects yet. You can't think of a better way to do this. I get it's about money. And by the way, the dunk contest is the worst I've ever seen. It's it's worse than the Gerald Green year. I'm sorry. It's just it's just worse. So Ian, Obi Toppin from Dayton can fly. All right. You mean from the Knicks? Like relax. The guy like tore his ACL like a month ago. Whatever. Whatever he had. He had some issues. Anyways, I am pissed about this. I'm pissed. I can't believe they're doing this, Ian. 20 seconds on the All-Star game. I, what else is there to say? Like, you know, Adam Silver came into this commissioner status and really has this had this sterling reputation. And lately, it's been really bad decision after really bad decision. And at some point... Hashtag Masai. No, yeah. And at some... That's part of it, for sure. I mean, at some point, we need to seriously take a look back and be like, is this person is who he says he is? Well, let's end here. Baseball's back. <laughs> no. Spring training is here, Ian. Your pitching Nolan, staff still stinks, bro. Nolan Arenado was traded to the Cardinals. Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers. Ian, baseball is here. The Red Sox can't be as bad as they were last year. Since we've been off, George Springer has come. Colonoscopy isn't as bad as the Red Sox were last year. Marcus Simeon has come. They definitely did not shore up their rotation and i am uh, that's one area that they brought all this positivity into the offseason you know vladi lost 40 pounds machette and biggio coming into another year guriel they're moving gritchick to a fourth outfielder spot Gur, uh, you know they have um they have uh, tay oscar who's going to be you know just he's going to be a hitter they can take him out of the field they have all this momentum and then it's like all right here's your rotation hinge and ryu Nate Pearson, Tanner Roark, Robbie Ray, and Steven Matz. Good fucking well, luck. Here's the thing. I, I do I do like the Matz trade. I do too. Um, I do too. I do like the Matz trade. But here's the thing. You know what it's like? It's like they were making dinner, and you see, you know, George Springer, George Springer, and Simeon. Those guys, th- that's the steak. That is the beautifully cooked steak. You know, then you see, you know, the Matz trade, and you know, all the other stuff they did around the outside, right? That's like, ooh, those potatoes look good. And then they just forgot to cook the rest of the meal. It's like, they just were like, they got two-thirds of the way through. They're like, no, I'm good. I don't want to make the rest of it. And it's like, finish the job. Here's the thing. you The George Springer contract, it, it's a home run for the, for the Jays to get a player that good. But the back end of that's not going to be fun. No, you're all, it's already not going to be fun. What are you holding back for? I, Go for it. Go for it. I'm so upset about the rotation. Cause I, I said this on the podcast before, before everything happened, it was like, maybe it wasn't, maybe I just text you about it, but it, it was sitting there, a potential of Paxton Walker. You slide that in, right? 
you move you move Robbie Ray out. I don't. What did Paxton get? Nine million. Yeah, but you, you never know the situation, right? He may have sat there and said, I, I, "With everything going on, I don't want to go to Toronto. I'd rather play back in the Mariners." Who knows? You don't know what's going on behind the no, scenes. No, I understand. But you I understand. Have to think Walker was lights out for the for the Blue Jays, and he wanted to come back. You have to think this is just sitting there, because. You can't think that Roark and Robbie Ray are the answer. Rob Stripling is going to be the fucking answer. I just, that was the thing that just drove me up the wall. Nate Pearson is already hurt. He's already hurt. A grade A strain. He's already hurt. I hate to put this in the universe. He gives me Sanchez vibes. (sighs) Sanchez at least was healthy early. It was finger issues. This guy just. He throws too damn yeah. hard. By the way, Sanchez was a beast. All right, he was put great. some. Yeah, like you got like all, all you all you you know Twitter warriors out there like talk shit about Aaron Sanchez. And by the way, there's one in particular I'm talking to. Like this guy was a beast. If he had stronger finger skin, like he was we'd really be talking good. about an all timer. And by the way, yeah, Pearson's giving me giving me vibes. Giving me I'm Sanchez. really upset about it, and we're done. Well, we I got time. Alex. Alex Cora's back. That happened like six months ago, but I'm still excited. I texted you today that Danny Santana signed with the Red Sox, and you said, "I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is." Well, Ian, we we had Joshua Cloak on. It was a pleasure. We we got to talk about some. We you and I just got to talk. It's our podcast. We just got to chat. Well, buddy, is it bad I couldn't think of any hockey things that we missed? Like, obviously, the Leafs dominating. I thought sure. you. I thought you were going to throw out there the line A, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois trade. Because that was one that was heavily debated within our family. One that you were very, very opinionated on. I thought for no, no, no. sure you were going to throw that out. We talked about it with Kevin Papetti. Not on the pod. We talked to him. And he's like, you always take the, this, the, the guy who has the chance to be the number one center. You just always do. And by the way, Liney's last four games or five games, I looked it up today. He had one game where he had three points. The rest, zero, 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 minus three. Zero, 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 minus two. Zero, 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 minus four. Like, is that what you want? I thought you were going to mention the Charlotte Hornets. I thought that you were going to mention the Phoenix Suns. I thought that you were going to mention, until tonight, the Boston Celtics. And yet, here we are, Ian, at the end of another podcast. Good luck at work tomorrow, buddy. Grind it out. Sign them off. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I know it's been, um, I know it's been a couple of weeks. We miss you guys, but Everyone stay safe out there. There there finally looks like there's little glimmerings of light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. Stick together. And as always, guys, wear your hands.